Hello and welcome to the Nursery and Preschool Chat Room podcast. Join the Twinkle team as we talk about life as a preschool and nursery practitioner. We'll share our honest thoughts and experiences on a range of topics that affect early years practitioners every day in their settings. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Nursery and Preschool Chat Room. I'm Katie. And I'm Charlotte. And I'm Fliss. And in today's episode, we're going to be looking at the different problems and questions that a variety of early years practitioners have been asking us on our social media platforms. And Charlotte, I think you've got the first question. So one of the practitioner problems we got asked was how often do staff move rooms in the nurseries? So you might work in baby room and then get moved to preschool. So how do you guys find it's worked in your settings before? So my experience is, and I don't know if you guys can relate, like genuinely like 80 to 90% of the time, it was probably because there was problems with the staff in the rooms. So that might be that the practitioners weren't particularly getting along or that it wasn't like the strongest team that it could be. And that because of that, there ended up being movements. Yeah. Or like the staff just genuinely wanting to try a different age or, mm-hmm. or whatever. I mean, at one point I was considering going to babies and I don't know I think it was it's more just if it's a staff issue or a staff wanting to change yeah, you don't actually just say oh you've been working in babies for two years now let's move you to mm-hmm. preschool it, it was always quite purposeful like yeah. I said there was an issue or like you said someone wanted mm. to move I think as well if you've got knowledge in a certain area but like I was in preschool because I had a lot of knowledge working with the older children so it just made sense for me to work in preschool and nobody ever sort of was like Charlotte do you want to move to babies and everyone was just like preschool's your room like we won't change you unless we need to so obviously I just I just stayed there. There was also quite a lot perhaps room leaders or other people would change because one room needed a certain support in more Mm -hmm. areas so for example if there was a lot of send children it might be that a certain person would go into that because they have like you said the experience so that they would be a better leader for that room or it might be that there's um a lot of children moving up who had a particular key person at the same time so actually it would make sense for that key person to move room with them to ensure that consistency and i think sometimes like the busyness of your room can sort of contribute so if you've got like we used to have one room at one point and i think it has like four children in it gosh that's so quiet so (laughs) you don't really need all those practitioners in there so some people would get moved while it was quieter into a busy room Mm -hmm. and then they would once it got a bit busier they'd just get moved back you gotta be flexible I think really I think it's quite nice like now I do a bit of supply so it's nice that I get to go in each room and like work with all the different ages I mean I still prefer being in the top I feel like I'm I feel like I do best in there as well I know how to be with them children more than I do with babies in preschool but like it is nice to like just float around sometimes. Like we have members of like full time members of staff that were like floaters, like to fill in gaps for ratio and stuff like that. But yeah, I think if I change rooms every year, I'd be a bit like you know, like in schools, sometimes yeah. you'd be a reception teacher one year, you'd be yeah. year two teacher the next, and then come back to reception. I just think, oh, that'd be too much chopping and changing for me. I think when you've got key children as well, it is hard to keep constantly moving people because if you've just got to know those children and they're like, oh, you're gonna go to babies now can be a bit frustrating for some people when they've just settled into a room with their key children yeah. but like floaters don't always have key children yeah. so the only time in my experience that there would be like like clockwork regular changes would be for apprentices in one of the nurseries that I worked at sort of every three months all of the apprentices would rotate round I think just so that by the time they got to, so by the time it got to the end of one year when most of them had started to complete whatever level they were doing they'd had experience yeah, I think that's a good room. idea yeah you will get the experience like I know apprentices that have just stayed in one room so it's quite nice that they do that like you 
at the end of the day, you've got to learn about from naught to five. So yeah. it makes sense to move around, doesn't it? The idea of just being in one room during an apprentice is yeah. actually quite crazy. Yeah. Like, you need to have experience all the ages. I mean, they went and like covered in other rooms and they had to do like the bottle feeding. So then they had to go and like work in babies for like an afternoon or something. But I think, yeah, I think every apprentice should move around. We used to, every now and then, people, like you said, would go and cover in a different room. And then that would always be quite a good experience, I think. Just like, I think when you, if you're like, for example, you're normally in baby room going to spend an afternoon in preschool probably completely chaotic for you because it's so different I bet your afternoon or your day goes a lot quicker mm-hmm. just for that like brief day that you swap over imagine how many like practitioners actually have like done that they've gone and covered and thought you know what yeah I actually want to change when I first I, I was a teacher I thought year six maybe even yeah. secondary school how I ended up getting lower and lower and lower until somehow babies yeah. is where I like excelled I have no idea but it was just constant swapping and changing until I got there. So you never really know what you like and your preferences change. But I think most settings take that into account. Every early years interview I've ever done, unless it's been like very specifically for like a toddler room leader role, for example, they always ask like, yeah. what age do you prefer working with and they try and put you with them. I think because you'll be better. Yeah, yeah. Well, I originally went for baby room. You imagine? But then they were like, no, we think you were better suited in preschool with your experience. So I was like, oh. that makes sense to me. I also can, that definitely preschool, but I also can see you with school yeah I because I did my experience at uni in a nursery and I I was in the toddlers and I didn't like that and then I moved to preschool and I liked that and then I did my final placement in the year one class and I really liked that so then I was like well I want to do preschool but then they had the job available in toddlers and then eventually like that but now I'd say when I I like all of them now but I think I've been in babies quite a lot like recently I quite like being in babies but the other part of me is like whether you like the age group or not get over it because mm. that is where you are working and your job is to work with zero to five so just yeah. do it <laughs> you don't go into childcare because you want to work with like a specific, specific yeah. age group mm. like I don't go past two so another question that we got was any advice on settling in new babies it's just the same settling in procedures that you have with any age range I just think you need to be prepared for the fact that it might take a little bit longer because mm-hmm. a lot of these children are coming from some sort of maternity leave adoption leave whatever where they've been solidly with probably just a very select group of people and actually that's going to be terrifying like even as adults a lot of us can feel anxiety going into a new situation so put that into a baby it's their first experience of like separation anxiety for most of them isn't it but I think as well throughout nursery you could have a it's more often that you get new starters being babies than like toddlers or preschoolers and I think that's where in a baby room you can have like three children that have started over the past like four weeks and they're all technically still in that settling in period which where it can get a bit hectic because they're all upset and coming in crying and then like every member of staff's taken up by a crying baby then like you feel like all the rest of them like need your attention so it can it can be hard but I think my main advice would just be like find out once they actually get over the crying and you start to see their interests like take that as soon as soon as they come in take them to that interest area and stuff like that like in our baby room often the doors at one end of the room and we take them straight down to like the like sensory and like development the physical development area it's got like a ball pit and like music on and like straight away you've taken them away from the door and straight down and they're distracted by something different straight away yeah, that, well, that's um, it, isn't it? Everyone always says yeah. the easiest thing to do if you've got a child cry, uh, crying distraction. Distract them, yeah. Preferably with, like you said, something that they're interested in. I think as well, it depends on your setting in procedure. I know sometimes you don't, as a nursery, always have the option. And you might mm-hmm. have a parent being like, yeah, they need to start next Monday because I've got work. But ideally, if you can see that they're struggling, you want to have longer settling, settling in periods. Yeah. 
and it could be that little things like when they come in to do the handover maybe mum dad nan whoever just hangs around a little bit longer than they normally do or actually for some children it might be yeah don't even get them in the door take the baby Mm. away at the door so they're straight away they're like this is the mode and it could be sometimes things like a self-registration which but again, something that gets them in the mindset that I'm at nursery now. Mm. You know, they've got like certain comforts or things from home that parents can maybe bring in that just gives them that little bit of extra. And like it smells like home or it smells like parents and it's just a bit of an extra comfort blanket for them. But yeah, like you said, I just think you, every child's so different. Like you get some that start and it's like they love it, they live yeah, in life, they don't care. And then some it can take a long time. you just got to be... And that's where it's hard as well on certain sessions like some parents I mean we've all had it where the child is clearly okay in their settling in session but the parents still wanting to linger around and it's like they're clearly fine get out quick I don't know it's just getting the balance right and obviously you're dealing with parents and it's it's a hard time for them like it's the first time their child's going to nursery so they're dealing with their own emotions but I think it's just a process in in the end but we all know as soon half an hour to an hour later they're fine they stop crying and they find something to play with but I can imagine yeah Probably where this question came from is someone who is dealing with a lot of crying babies. All at once. Sometimes it's not the children that have the separation issues. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Another question that we've seen cropping up a little bit more is questions to ask deputy managers in interviews. And for the most part, these are going to be the same kind of questions you would ask a normal early years practitioner because they're going to be doing most of the same role. I think the differences come in because you need to know about their experience in certain situations because if you're hiring someone as a deputy manager they're not going to be a brand new practitioner you're going to need confirmation of what they're like in I guess safeguarding scenarios would be a big mm-hmm. one you probably put more pressure on them I also think with deputy managers a lot of the times I think we spoke about this before they tend to have like a secondary role don't they yeah like Senkai or DSL or whatever so there's probably a lot more focus on questions like that too and I think a lot of questions generally about leadership. Yeah, I think as well, like, it'll vary between settings. Like, it depends what that setting, like, kind of what their agreement is with the manager and the deputy manager, like, who takes on what workload. Like, I've been in settings where it's quite joint in terms of, like, the managerial position, but it's, like, deciding who does what, like, and especially on, like, the manager's day off, the deputy manager steps up to manager. So, like, mm-hmm. they kind of need to be able to do the skills of a manager as well. And I guess it'll vary between settings, but... That's true, because... Mm-hmm. A thing that I see a lot on social media as well is a manager leaving, but they haven't been able to find a replacement mm. in time for the manager leaving. So who has to step up? It's the deputy manager. Yeah. Or if there's annual leave, two weeks annual leave, for example, again, the deputy manager has to step up. Yeah. So there's a whole variety of skills that are needed there. I imagine you'd probably want to ask about questions to do with their Ofsted experiences, because that yeah. feels like an important one. Yeah, if the manager's not in on the day, it's the deputy that will do it, and then the next most senior. And I think as well, a big part of management as well is dealing with parents in a different way compared to what you deal with on the door and handover. Like, they get more phone calls through about different things than what you mm. kind of have to speak to them about on the door. And, like, funding and finance yeah. and, and stuff like that, like, you have to be clued up on all that. Yeah. Um, you might not be doing it every day, but, like I said, you yeah. might be asked about it as a deputy manager. Yeah, but then, like you said, if your manager's not in or someone's on and you will leave and you've got to do it, you've still got to have those basic skills mm-hmm. to be able to, you know, complete the tasks that you need yeah. to do. And as a deputy manager, you're probably working with a lot more, like, external people, say, but professional bodies, for example, for 
food inspectors that are coming mm-hmm. in that might be under your remit to deal with you might be working with contractors coming in to fix the setting so there's a lot of different people so I imagine there'd also be a lot of questions about your communication and your communication mm-hmm. style because oh. that's so important. I'd say organisation as well in like my experience a deputy manager always did the rotors really? as well yeah. Rotors are a tricky Rotors are thing. very organisational and logistics isn't it working it all out with your ratios and everything and I feel like well our deputy manager took on the apprentices and the students mm-hmm. not so much like doing the observations on them and because that was what I did in the room but they would sort out their apprenticeship courses they were doing and mm-hmm. arrange all the tutors coming in and you know all that other t- stuff that goes on outside of what they do in the room bigger roles within the nursery yeah, isn't it yeah. like normally when you're a room leader or you're a practitioner it's very much just what's happening in your room but as a deputy manager you kind of have to take the next step above that and sort of look at like the things that commonly occur within mm. every room and you're probably going to be the one <clears throat> leading on those and just listening to what we're saying there's a lot of pressure on deputy managers yeah. oh my gosh yeah I'd say that's why I'd say probably a lot of the interview questions are probably made up of scenarios as well yeah. like oh how would you deal with this and that but a lot of it you can learn on the job as well but especially if they've been a, working in your setting already as like a room leader and you're promoting them to deputy manager you already know how they work yeah. you probably have a pretty good idea that whether they're going to get the job or not but yeah I'd say it just varies between setting and setting and what you actually want out of your deputy manager how you structure the interview questions yeah because from what we're saying I imagine the deputy managers at all the settings we were at actually did very different roles, roles. Mm. yeah so it's really hard to be quite specific on that one I feel like we've also seen quite a few people ask some ideas on like September topics I'm guessing maybe a few term time only settings when they go back trying to think about their planning and what they want to do so what sort of things would you normally look at in September? I think if you're a term time only setting we see all the time on Twinkle that all about me absolutely explodes Mm. in September and that makes sense because you've got a new cohort of children coming in but that tends to be the first couple of weeks because there's only so much of that you can do but in that time looking at all about me I would be looking at like my senses my family yeah my body my emotions yeah but like you can explore it with like babies and toddlers in preschool and it's actually like you probably do quite a lot of these activities especially with babies like the sensory stuff that's all them learning about their senses anyway Um, but I guess at that time of year you do put a lot of focus like on it because children are moving rooms a lot more of them are going through as the others leave but outside of that and my experience is mostly in like all year round settings so like we never really did an all about me topic because children were coming in at random points yeah. so september was always very much autumn and hedgehogs yeah <laughs> and leaves outdoor mud kitchens and there's a the weather changes even though it feels like we've had autumn already but... it does doesn't it? <laughs> it's been quite rainy mm. yeah so we would do a lot of focus on actually outdoor play would be quite a big focus in september before it starts to get that ridiculous cold bit where you're like mm. having to really wrap up every time you think in September it's very confusing because sometimes it's really hot in September yeah. so it's like what's happening is it autumn is it summer still what's going on but um yeah because it's quite warm in September you can get outside mm. quite a bit and as, as well I think if you get a new set of children you can just kind of see what they're interested in mm-hmm. sometimes yeah. just going off what the children like so if they're really into like trains or something maybe look at transport as a topic yeah. even though it might not be something you've thought about but yeah. they might really be interested in it in that month that they've moved up yeah. even if you're in a nursery or a setting that focuses on like said, like a very much child-led approach I would be offering a lot of everything I would be doing about that time would be sort of more autumn based and we'd be going on things like nature walks mm. and gathering materials for that 
and then perhaps you can use those to make like pictures of things with all your natural materials mm. very much there'd be so much mud mini beasts would be a really good topic to do at that time although i think all the mini beasts that come out in autumn are like really gross and worms yeah disgusting spider season is yeah, it's the worst yeah it's a very traumatic time you <laughs> <laughs> go on spider hunt and because we know autumn is such a big topic for many settings we are creating a load of blogs and resources at the moment on twinkle especially for early years practitioners who work with babies, toddlers and preschools, giving you a load of different activities that you can do based on all sorts of areas, whether that's going from tummy time with the youngest ones or looking at writing out initials and their names in preschool. So there's going to be a little bit of everything for everyone. So keep an eye on that. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Nursery and Preschool chat room. As always, you can find us on our multitude of social media channels, and that includes Facebook, Facebook groups, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and all of the new ones that are constantly cropping up. But in the meantime, we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.